Coming up, our at's generosity shines. The community donates over $12,000 for allergy research. Puppy Love is helping people survive the pandemic. And our at business is hiring students to fill an employment gap. And one young boy is bursting with kindness. You're listening to Arat's Latest with local journalist Jack Ward. Hello and welcome. It's cold out there, but we've reached the halfway point of the supposed six-week lockdown and it seems numbers are much lower and things might be looking up. Today, Victoria did record 208 new cases and sadly, another 17 deaths. Locally, our numbers have changed this week. We now have one active case in the Ararat Rural City and that case was detected at East Grampians Health Service's screening program. The health service released a statement to clarify that the individual has not required care and is recovering at home. The Department of Health and Human Services responds to every case of coronavirus after notifying East Grampians Health Service and there are strict procedures in place to protect the public wherever someone does test positive. The department nor the health service will release any further details about individual cases unless it is necessary to do so and in the interest of public health. All close contacts will or in fact have been contacted by the department. And an important reminder that if you are showing symptoms, test appointments at East Grampians Health Service can be made by phoning 5352 9532. Let's have a quick look at other headlines locally this week. Staff at the Ararat Abattoir were targeted by Ballarat Health Service's rapid response team to monitor the spread of COVID-19. Over the coming weeks, the team will be on the road within the Grampians region to conduct a testing blitz as a proactive measure against the virus. They'll have a specific focus on meat processing facilities, including Ararat Meat Exports. No negative cases are expected, but health officials are monitoring the industry very closely. Lastly, the Ararat Wise Minettes have called it quits on this year's debutante ball. Rehearsals and the actual event have been impossible to organise with the Ararat Town Hall closed and strict social distancing rules which make partner work impossible. The club hopes to hold four balls next July to make it up to those girls who are unable to debut this year. If you want comprehensive coverage of all of Ararat's news, be sure to grab a copy of the Ararat Advocate each Friday. Coming up, Puppy Love has been helping people get through the pandemic. I speak with an animal rescuer who was surprised that stats aren't even higher. But first, Ararat's generosity has left the Ruddle family speechless, with the community donating a combined $12,101 in support of the Allergy and Immunology Foundation of Australia. Asia. The fundraiser, organised by Jackie Ruddle's sister Angie Wyhappy and family friend Claire Vanina in support of three-year-old Sage and 11-month-old Cohen, has been labelled an overwhelming success. Both Sage and Cohen have a long list of food allergens which can cause frightening anaphylaxis. Before we hear how the fundraiser went, have a listen to a snippet of my interview with Angie conducted before the event. Where has yep. this journey started? Yeah, so it was inspired, so I've got two nephews that have serious allergies to food um, and they are um, milk, egg, wheat, nuts and possibly also sesame and chickpeas for Cohen who's 10 months old. Um, so it's, it, that really covers a lot of our, you know, most people's day-to-day food. So it's, it makes life really challenging for my sister and also it's quite really hard for them when feeling excluded a lot of times with what other people are eating and what they can't eat especially the three-year-old who mm-hmm. understands it all. But other than that, other, other than the, the emotional and difficult side of it, it's just so dangerous. Um, and after seeing for myself what an anaphylaxis 
and how scary and how quickly it was close to being deadly without the paramedics um, there to save him. You know, and doing some more research into it to realise that this is really quite common. It's, um, and it's one of it's the fastest growing disease in Australia and New Zealand at the moment. So I thought, yeah, what could we do? I, I know, you know, we're some people from a small town, but I thought if we all pull together to raise enough money, um, we're going to donate it to the AIFA. And they are the people that donate they give grants to researchers that are researching for uh, to find cures for allergies and anaphylaxis. It must be hard for you to watch your sister go through this on a daily basis. It is really hard. Yeah, she, she definitely does it tough. Motherhood's hard enough without having two boys with serious food allergies on top of it. And she's limited to where she can go, where she, she feels safe to go. Um, they can't eat out anymore. They try to when they, you know, as they were learning about allergies and it just got harder and harder. Restaurants don't have a very good understanding of allergies and that's, we've had to learn that the hard way. And, mm. um, you know, you tell them what the allergens are and could they please make sure that they, they're just sending out simply steamed vegetables, basically, and fish that's not got anything on it and it will still come out coated in, cooked in flour. And you go back and you say, this has been cooked in flour. Oh, yes, it's just flour, though, just plain flour. Well, flour is wheat, we say to them. They're mm. allergic to wheat. And we've just had too many instances where this has happened. Um, so it's just now not safe. And, and I think that's where it comes to our attention, that the awareness is not there, not even within the food industry where people are preparing foods in restaurants and things, um, which is quite scary as well. That's a little insight into the hardships and danger of allergies and anaphylaxis. So Angie and Claire organised a raffle and Facebook auction to begin raising money to get to their goal of $10,000. Little did they know they would actually raise more than that total just with the auction and raffle. Angie is on the line now. Angie, how did the raffle and auction go last weekend? It was, um, yeah, so very successful. Um, and we can't thank the community um, enough for that. It was. Um, it really exceeded our expectations of what we thought we could achieve just from the raffle and auction. We, as, our, uh, as you know, our event got postponed due to um, the coronavirus restrictions. Um, but we still just hope to make the most of what we could and continue our fundraising and continue with the raffle and auction as we'd already um, started and advertised it. Mm. Um, and we're, so we were blown away to be able to reach our goal um, without the event. But that's a huge um, thanks to Paso and Carly too. They continue to support us even though the event had been postponed. Um, and he, and Paso jumped on after our auction and and raffle draw to ended a live music um, performance anyway. He did that was just off his own back, which was yeah we're so grateful for. And what's Jackie and the family's response been? Oh, Jackie and Jackson, um, they're so blown away and they're so grateful um, for the amount of love and support that they've been shown by this amazing community. Um, all the beautiful messages and things that they've also been sent, um, showing their support and they are honestly truly touched um, and I think it's really lifted their spirits at a time when, it, you know, they they find most days very challenging as mm. we've talked about. Um, so it's really boosted all of their spirits and, uh, yeah, they're blown away. And what about the two little superstars? Oh, especially um, Sage, who's free. He just thinks it's the best thing ever. <laughs> he was very happy to do a little thank you video. Um, things that he put together and popped on our allergy page. He 
yeah, he's very, very happy. <laughs> he doesn't want it to end, though, he said. He said, can we keep going with it? I said, we'll take a break for a little bit now. <laughs> he'll be ready for round two in no, in no time. Oh, he, yeah, he will be. He, he thought it was fantastic. I did see that uh, the, your, the money raised is actually going to go into the next grant ra- round and it's going to be named after the two boys, which must also add to the excitement. Yeah, that was really nice to hear that back from the AIFA when we sent through to notify them that we smashed our $10,000 goal and actually reached 12000 um, And they said, as requested by us, that the, we get to direct exactly where the money went, which is the food allergies. Um, and that um, we also get to name the grant, which was, yeah, was very exciting to hear. And, and of course, we named it after the boys, Sage and Cohen. New research showing the positive impact canines are having on their owners throughout the pandemic has come as no surprise to Ararat Dog Rescue President Jill Worrell. Research by Guide Dogs Australia has found four out of five Australians have relied on puppy love for emotional support and a positive frame of mind during the height of the pandemic. Adoption and puppy sales have increased considerably since the first round of Stage 3 restrictions were put in place earlier this year. Jill said she is surprised only 81% of Australians have relied on puppy love, saying that that number should be closer to 90%. I've been around animals all my life. Um, I can't steam seeing animals unloved or unwanted or scared Mm. and most of the dogs that we get in most are scared let's just say that after a bad game and you have them even before this covid stuff you have really bad days to come home and have that sort of greeting that you just received okay maybe not quite as vigorous from dogs that the only thing they've got in your life is you. You are their life. It, it sort of makes everything as well. It really does. It, it, makes, it makes making hard decisions easier. It makes the joy a lot more fun. If I didn't have the dogs and the horses, I've got to put horses in there too, I reckon I would be suffering a lot more than I do. I mean, I have, like everyone, you have your down days. Because you think, oh, God, is this ever going to win? They're sanity savers, basically. The research is based on a survey of 1,000 Australian dog owners conducted via an online survey method in June. It also revealed that if dogs weren't man's best friend before COVID-19 restrictions, they certainly are now. A majority of respondents, 70%, reported feeling closer to their dog as a result of restrictions. Miss Worrell said it's easier to be selfish and ponder your own thoughts, but pet owners can't be when they've got animals that depend on them. I am also of the vulnerable section of the community. So... If I can't see my friends, my family, whatever, at least I can spend time having conversations with them. They're slightly one-sided conversations, but they do make sense. When you're feeling down yourself, it's very hard to motivate yourself out of that black hole. But if you've got a dog, or in my case, more than one, that needs you to let them out of the yards, give them their breakfast, clean up after them, take them for walks, play with them and that seems to be a full-time job it, it motivates you year 11 high school student kate salen said it's not just the canines having an impact on their owners she has recently adopted a cat named spatula who has been a blessing in disguise amidst the stresses of remote learning she's helped me like a lot because 
I've had another like kind of being to look after and like she's a good distraction whenever I get too stressed I'll just like stop doing work and go and play with her for a bit every time I'm around her I'm smiling the Arat Dog Rescue urges all prospective pet owners to fully consider a furry friend and the commitment involved once COVID-19 has passed before taking the leap. You are the story. If you have an issue or event, get in contact. You, the listener, are the heart of Arat's Latest. So send me a message or email aratslatest at gmail.com if you have a news tip or an issue you want explored. Together we can get the answers, shine a light on local achievements and ensure everyone stays informed with what matters in our community. AME Systems will hire around 20 students from Arat's two secondary schools to fill an employment gap during the COVID-19 pandemic. The manufacturer will continue relatively unaffected during regional Victoria's Stage 3 restrictions and Melbourne's Stage 4, but the organisation hasn't been able to employ an adequate number of staff. Acting Managing Director Dean Pininger joins me. Dean, what's the situation at AME when it does come to hiring new staff? Uh, So our current employees from Melbourne, we've got um, COVID-related travel bans in place where there would normally normally be AME staff coming from Melbourne to Arra and vice versa and visiting customers. They've reverted to, you know, use of technology, Zoom meetings, etc., um, or whatever medium, Microsoft Teams, etc. Um, as far as employing people, because we have been employing quite a number of staff, we just have restrictions on employing staff out of Melbourne at the moment, um, particularly with the Stage 4 lockdowns. So we've got still a few staff to employ to get the numbers we want. So we are partnering up with um, Arat Secondary College and Marion College for a group, a reasonable number of group, approximately 20 students to begin a work experience program, which would see them working some nights after work, which we believe would be, you know, community win-win. The students will get some work experience um, with AME and we in turn get a bit of labour, which we will train and utilise to fill the, the bit of a gap that we've got at the moment. So what sort of work will these the students be doing? Uh, so basically be factory-based work, so the assembly of our product or the sub-assembly of our product out in the factory. So they'll have an induction similar to what we do with um, normal recruits. And they'll go through the induction program and then they'll get one-on-one training with our trainers or small group training. So, you know, maybe three students, one trainer, something like that. And they'll be involved in sort of the lighter side of the sub-assembly and assembly process. Um, how many staff are you short from Melbourne? Is that the, the same amount of the amount of students you're going to be hiring? Uh, so, so it's not necessarily short staff from Melbourne. We would employ from basically anywhere. Obviously, there's border controls in place, but we're hope you know we're advertising locally as well. But we're just not getting the numbers that we need. So the number of students will be roughly the same, maybe slightly more students than what we need in full time equivalents. But reason being, you know, students will work a couple of hours a day, maybe, whereas a a full-time person would be working eight hours a day. So it sort of balances out a few more students to make up the hours. It, it won't fully make it up, but it'll be a good win-win scenario. What sort of period are you looking at doing this for? Is this a long-term thing or is this just going to be while these tougher restrictions are in place? What's the timeline looking like? 
Uh, difficult to say. We're just planning it probably for the shorter term. If it works out all right, it might be something that we can partner up on going with the schools. But given the current economic climate and the COVID in, uh, climate, we'll just review it you know, on a fortnightly basis or something like that, Jack, so that we can determine, you know, is it right for the students and is it right for the business? Glasses were raised for Best Wines in the last fortnight to celebrate the historic winery's latest accolade, named Best Value Winery of the Year at the 2021 Halliday Wine Companion Awards. Australian wine writer, critic and senior wine competition judge James Halliday AM has highlighted the winery's world-class quality and unique plantings. Best Managing Director Ben Thompson and Father Viv Thompson were overjoyed by the announcement, as was the wider family. The Thompson family has owned the label for 100 years this year, purchasing the now 154-year-old business in 1920 from Henry Best's son. Best Wine Club manager Nicole Thompson is with me. Nicole, what does an accolade like this mean for Best Wines? Um, to the family and to the winery, were, they were chuffed. They thought it was fantastic for all the staff as well and also the region. It's fantastic for the region to have such a, an award or us to be nominated for and won the award for Best Value Winery. And the family take pride in being able to, and they've always said their motto is deliver fabulous wine at affordable prices. And that's always been what they do here. Due to COVID, normally you would have a dinner in Melbourne where a couple of people from the winery are invited. But this year, we it was streamed, James Halliday was streamed free to everybody in Australia to watch. Um, so it was fantastic that all of the family could sit and watch it on Wednesday night. It was great. So it was an honour and it's something that, um, yeah, Ben and Viv certainly always believe that, you know, all they want to do is make good wine and, and make it affordable for people to buy. Um, we don't have price rises very often. How important are accolades like this in the wine industry? They're a very humble, modest family, so they pretty much keep a lot of it close to their chest. But um, they're a very close family and to win all these um, fabulous accolades that we have comes down to, um, you know, a good teamwork. And I think what's important here at Best, especially for the family, is that we've got really good loyal staff. A very good winemaker has been with us nearly 10 years. Um, and in that time, we have won, you know, the Jimmy Watson. We've won Wine of the Year. We've now won Best Value Winery, which, you know, comes from obviously the family side. Um, but to have a good winemaker... Um, and great um, staff, I think I think that's what sort of really keeps it going. Mm. It's a hard gig out here at the minute. There's a lot of wineries in Australia. So um, to be chosen, it just shows that we work very, very hard and we believe that what we do offer great wines at a very good price. One thing that I did see James quoting saying that if he wanted to grow medium-bodied red wines with a 30-year future, he'd head to the Grampians. We've seen a lot of new wineries pop up in the Grampians in, in recent times as well. Does Best Winery ever feel a sense of competition or are you quite comfortable with the product you're producing? I think, um, and everybody, everybody in this region, in the wine region, we actually collaborate a lot together. We actually work as a team. Mm. So we're all part of the Grampians Winemakers Group. So with out the other one, who's going to come to the region if we've only got two wineries? Mm. When you go to a wine region, you generally go to all of them. We've got a brand that's been around for a very long time and people know we make great wines for great value and some very historical, unique wines that no else, nobody else can make. We have that. Um, but then all these other smaller wineries, 
aren't a threat. They actually would probably benefit from having two big wineries in the region. Um, we've got Langy Duran, we've got Sepples, and we've got us that's been around a long time. You've got Grampians Estate and Montara who've been around a long time as well. So all these little small ones are not a threat. They're actually an asset. So that is very important to us is to get people to come to Great Western, not to Halls Gap and the Grampians because, you know, we want people to come and stay in Great Western and, you know, put Great Western on the map. Just lastly, Nicole, I mean, it's a tough time for everyone at the moment with COVID-19. Is, are you hoping that this this recent accolade and to be able to use that as a bit of a marketing tool is going to assist you come out the other side of this pandemic? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, perfect timing. However, most people in the wine industry um, have um, had to revert to online sales. Our online sales were in the first, um, when we first shut down. Um, we shut down a lot earlier because we could not afford to lose a vintage because we we have, you know, we do everything here. So to have us shut down if someone got sick would be catastrophic. <laughs> um, so, but we had to go back to online sales only um, and they went they went very, very well. You know, we obviously we've got no one coming through the cellar door, but you have to do special, you know, have to offer people something different um, and everybody is online at home. They're sitting at home, they're bored. It's amazing like Christmas is nothing compared to what parcels are going out at the moment. It's the way to go. So for us, we weren't hugely affected. Certainly it wasn't ideal, but with the cellar door closed, but we certainly got through that part. And obviously with this accolade, um, I have we have we've been flat out since um, Wednesday night. They just orders online started to pour through and still pouring through and it's a busy time and it's a great time. Next, some inspirational stories to lift your spirits. Tragedy becomes a story of resilience for one speaker holding a webinar with Resilient Ararat next week and a young boy's kindness will give you a smile from ear to ear. This week's Your Say poll question was, has the presence of a pet helped you through isolation? Facebook wasn't playing ball this week, so the results are only based off of Instagram where we had 86 votes. 85% of people said the presence of a pet has helped them through isolation and 15% said a pet has not. Motivational speaker Scott B. Harris knows what resilience is because he has faced adversity firsthand. A fun day out on dirt bikes with a group of friends in 2008 quickly turned into a life or death situation when Mr. Harris collided with a friend head-on at speed. The Melbourne-based speaker is one of Resilient Ararat's guest presenters taking part in their current wellbeing webinar series and will share his story this Thursday. Scott joins me. Scott, what was the impact of that accident on you and your life? In 2008, I basically turned over a new page into a new chapter. And I would say, I would go as far as to say it's now a completely different book. I was on one path and in a split second, I was on another path. And I had no way of getting back to my, you know, my old life, no way of getting back onto that old path. So I then had to start my new journey down this road. But this road had had no one else on it. I was the only one and I was traveling alone, solo on this road. And it was just very, very, very foreign to me. And it's taken me sort of last the last 12 years to 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 get to where I am. Uh, and, and, and build my life up to where it is today. 
When was it clear to you that you could turn that adversity in your life into something positive? Uh, that would have happened back in uh, when I was in rehab. So after the accident, I spent the first 15 days in, uh, in an induced coma and spent uh, the next six months in, 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 as an inpatient in the rehab hospital. And then I continued on for the next two and a half years out of um, as an outpatient in that rehab and in it was about the last uh, around about last year to six months I with my speech pathologist we were sort of working out and, and my neuropsychologist working out sort of which path I wanted to take after I left after I left rehab and I was always told that I you know, because I, I, I've spoken about this accident to anyone and everyone who wants to listen. And I'm so comfortable talking about it that, and a lot of people can see that. And they, a lot of people told me that I should uh, look into becoming a motivational speaker. So my speech pathologist helped me. She mainly just sort of guided me. I, I, I did a lot of the networking and a lot of the, uh, the writing of my presentation. And she gave me a space to practice in. So I practiced it there at the rehab on a number of occasions. And then I finally went out and did it to a school. And then that was where it started. So what can people and attendees that are going to attend the Resilient Hour at webinar, what can they expect from you? Your story, your advice? Yeah, so my story, I'm basically going to be talking about, because I've been on this journey now for nearly 12 years, and there's, a, there's, a, there's an abundance of information that I have learned about being resilient. And I sort of go through in this presentation, I'm going to go through, you know, go through my story and a bit about what I've learned. And then I'm going to give some tools to put some of the stuff that I have learned into action. So things like the goal setting and the, and the, and the gaining of purpose, you know, that has been basically my bread and butter since, since I started rehab, because that, that, my whole recovery has been built off the goals that I set for myself. We'll be doing, if we've got time, we'll be doubling into um, a bit of mindfulness, um, mindfulness meditation to be specific. I, that's something that has really, really helped my brain in, in the last four years. And I'll, I'll talk to everyone about what it's doing for our brains and what it's doing for my brain and how I saw how I saw a, uh, how I've seen the effects. It's not just a, it's not just an effect that I, you know, I think is good for me. Um, it is an effect that I saw firsthand that I can share with everyone, which is, which is really good. That was just a four minute snippet of my 15 minute conversation with Scott. I didn't want to give away too much. Bookings to Resilient Ararat's free webinars, including Scott's, which is this Thursday, can be made via their Facebook page. The Ararat 800 primary school community has been heartwarmed by one student's efforts to support essential workers. Grade 1 student Toby Ramika may be young, but his mum Genesis said his maturity and kindness is well beyond his years. She suggested that Toby should do something positive whilst learning at home, and he decided to make a box of yummy supplies and important essentials for those in Ararat who have to leave their homes for work. Because the coronavirus, some some parents don't want to work, but they still have to work. When they're dropping past, they can grab some lotties and drinks. And um, there's a sign on the top that says, From Toby and Jaden. 
so that I know who it's from. And there's sanitizer, heaps of it. And at the bottom there's like um, some wipes so that I can wipe their hands. And there's like masks so they can grab them because my dad has heaps of masks. We have like 200. School principal Ryan Oliver noted the amazing thing Toby's done at their Monday assembly. And um, it just it, it gave us all a little bit of a buzz. Um, and really, he, he teaches us a lesson. You know, we can always think of other people. It's easy to think of ourselves sometimes. But when we think of others, um, it's naturally a wonderful thing. And it makes you feel good. It makes others feel good. So my challenge to you this week, boys and girls, how can you do something for somebody else? It's those positive feel-good stories we need to hold on to at the moment. Thank you for joining me this week. Remember, if you have a story, please do get in touch. There's not a lot happening around our community at the moment, but it is important to cover what is going on, even if you think it's something small, especially feel-good stories like Toby's. All past episodes are available on your favourite podcasting app. Stay safe. This was Arat's Latest.